Dr. David Haggerty, Beauty in the Brain, back in the house. Hello, hello. It's been a, a moment. It's been a moment. It's been too long. It's been an emotional roller coaster for the both of us. You have been through a lot. You have been busy being a scientist, trying to cure the world of COVID. And now you are here in my new pseudo office. Going to help answer some questions out there. I'm back better than ever having survived coronavirus. I have novel insight for you now. (laughs) (laughs) That is like the big like episode bomb. Everyone, Dr. David had COVID. It was like very scandalous because we could not talk about this. I mean, it feels like forever ago, but it was not fun because I got it early. You know what I mean? Like I got it. You got it right in March. And that terrified me more than anything because uh, you were the first person that I knew to get it. And I was like, wait a second, the doctor cannot have it. (laughs) We cannot allow this doctor to have it. This is a big problem. You survived, you thrived, you are helping create cures and vaccines, and you are my inside to know all of the goodness that I should uh, look forward to and all the positivity and all... um, the good medicine that's coming our way. You're even your own guinea pig, which is quite exciting. Um, yeah. It uh, yeah. wasn't supposed to be that way, but that's what happens when you get sick. <laughs> that's what happens when you get sick. Sometimes the scientist gets sick and you have to treat it on yourself and see what happens. And you became yeah. the mice, you yeah. know, do or not, the mouse. Do not suggest um, subjecting yourself to 14 days of 105 degree fevers. Um, oh my God, <laughs> David. But see, this is very important for people to hear this, that science is real people (laughs) it's real it's scary and even you know the scientists aren't over there hiding in your rooms like inspiring like what was the what was the cartoon's name it wasn't dexter was it yeah dexter's laboratory yes i mean it's not like you're like this little cartoon over there and it's like i'm gonna create like this crazy thing that's gonna like (laughs) cure the world and it's like you're not only having to suffer it go through it fix it then try it on yourself it's not fun. It's yeah, not I fun. Mean, it's real. Science is real, people. And that is yeah. why David is here. Dr. David is here to answer your questions. And I'm here just to moderate and be the middleman. I'm like yeah, the, the like middleman in this situation. Yeah, I know. I feel like we need to do this series of disclosures now of like, I am not a clinician. I do not work for any pharmaceutical company. I do not get funding that is from a private organization. I use your tax dollars. Vaccines are real and safe. Please take them. Thank your healthcare workers. Thank your healthcare work is definitely <laughs> the number one important thing that we need to, to do right now. Um, so thank you, healthcare workers. We have some amazing questions that came in. Should we start? One of the questions was, what is the best way to start looking for help? I know that I need it, but I don't know how. So I think that to do the transition correctly, a lot of us are going to hit or have hit the second wave of what the pandemic has caused. Like a lot of people are feeling lonely. A lot of people are feeling isolated. If we haven't seen the numbers spike yet, we're about to. And there's going to be a lot of people trying to enter treatment or seek treatment for mental health problems. You know, like this is like a huge inflection point for a lot of people, you know, like I come from the South side of Chicago. My parents are very strong Polish and Irish immigrants who don't get sick, who don't talk about their feelings and don't talk about their emotions. And all of a sudden (laughs) 
they're, you know, inquiring about how do I start meditating? How do I start taking care of my mental health? And I'm like, you're kidding me. They are. This is not in like a, a, a crude sense, but like this is going to break everyone. Like if you haven't had a mental health problem in the past or like felt anxiety or like, you know, had any, right. you know, had to have thought about seeking treatment, even, you know, if it's not like diagnosable, but like a lot of people are having are suffering from this. And, yep. you know, like this question a year ago used to be more towards, you know, like I have a diagnosable mental illness. How do I seek treatment? And I used mm -hmm. to do the rundown of, you know, like start with your primary care physician. If you don't have a primary care physician, like go to an outpatient clinic, you know, like get online, use ZocDoc, you know, like there's like all of these resources for like your typical medicalization, you know, like white lab coat, modern medicine approach those still right. all apply. If you're somebody who has never sought treatment before, not to plug Google here, but you know, search primary care physicians near you, search for nonprofits in your area that help match people, reach out to SAMHSA, you know, the American Society Suicide Prevention Fund, like they all have like all of the major mental health nonprofits have some sort of research or person that they can link you with to help you get care. But that word care in the typical sense means, you know, like going to see a doctor who's a psychiatrist or a family practitioner who sort of specializes in working on these things. Um, there's a lot of stigma associated with that. It's eroding day by day. New publication coming out soon. Uh, you never know how fast these things move. Over the last 10 years, stigma has decreased for mental health, like wildly. Um, I believe it. I mean, it so has to. From 2006 to 2016, like there was no real budge, which I thought mm -hmm. was really interesting, you know, like I feel like we finally really hit an inflection point about people talking about this kind of stuff. And like, we're now sort of to see it trickle down into like anti-stigma, um, like stigma reduction work. So there's this opening door finally for people to start seeking treatment. Not only has that happened in, you know, like your typical medical, I need health insurance setting, but mm -hmm. there are now a lot of free clinics that, you know, I'll be the first person to, you know, as a, let me qualify here. As a researcher and somebody who like works on drug and in psychiatry and like understanding the brain from like a hardcore biologic standpoint, I'm not trying to undersell wellness products, you know, like meditation works. I can show you brain scans of people. It works. Like I'm not trying to like undersell these things, but there's been a lot of like hard pivots to the wellness movement. It feels like there's a lot of people that I talk to that feel caught in between that need wellness that need, you know, if it's like on a spectrum, you know, like they need the wellness self-care stuff, but they also need help from physicians, the doctors, the medical field, rather than that, like middle sort of get filled in. Sometimes it feels like it narrows. Like there's a real hard fork in the road of like, you do this stuff over here and then you go see your doctor over here and they don't really interact a bunch. So I think that that's like a huge deterrent. And like a lot of the questions that I hear of like, how do I seek care? A lot of people are already seeking care. To me, a lot of this is, is like, you know, headspace exists, calm exists, you know, like all of these like wellness tools, meditation, yoga, like all of these things, they're real, they work. We need to think of them as tools more than we need to think of them as hobbies and validate yeah. those things that they do work. You can believe in them. You're not, you know, some weirdo for thinking this. But also right. we can acknowledge that sometimes that's not enough and that's okay that it's not enough. And we need to search for therapists, talk therapy, group therapy, like all of these sorts of traditional healthcare approaches to these things. Mm -hmm. And I think the final step in this whole thing is going to be integrating both of those approaches. It's not one or the other. We can do both 
both exist. We don't need modern medicine to validate the fact that, you know, wellness approaches work. Right. We can believe in them now. So my roundabout way of answering this is expand your horizon into what Mm -hmm. you think is wellness and healthcare. Obviously, based on severity is where you're going to sort of enter the system. But if you're somebody who thinks that they need therapy or, you know, like needs to see a doctor and talk about, you know, medication options, I empower you to do that, but also not shy away from the wellness area. And I also think that if you're somebody who doesn't think that you need that and are just looking at wellness approaches, even though you might not feel like you have severe enough symptoms to like actually go see a doctor or see a psychiatrist, then maybe you should think about doing it because there are preventative approaches to doing talk therapy. There are preventative approaches to like start doing cognitive behavioral therapy before things get too overwhelming. And it will Mm -hmm. teach you the coping skills that you need. And it will teach you all these other skills on like how to manage your moods and anxiety anxiety and depression. I'm a, I'm for trying to break the barriers around what we would stereotypically think of like what I need is care and where that care exists on that spectrum. So, you know, there's a lot of, no, and you know, you need multiple things. Mm -hmm. It's not just, I know that for me, my prescription, you know, (laughs) my little dose that Mm -hmm. I have, whether it be actually Mm -hmm. the Lamictal, the, the, prescription medication that I'm on for Mm -hmm. bipolar disorder. I need that every single day. You know, there are days when I forget to meditate and I lose my mind and I need to meditate. There are times where I need to literally drive around and sing in a fucking car because for me, that is my form of caring for myself, having conversations, doing group therapy classes. There are so many different outlets that are out there that you can never have too much. And maybe you can't have too much. You take too many things on your plate, but I'm saying like, you might as well just keep trying every little thing, see what works. If it doesn't work, put it aside. It's not a big deal, but at least you tried it and you did everything you can. So I think absolutely. The first thing is talk to a doctor, Try to get therapist or a psychiatrist or, or the general practitioner to help you out, to lead you in the first direction. Start looking up group therapy classes. There's this awesome one that I'm actually an ambassador for, so I speak about it a lot, called Space Movement with our friend Britt Bronson. I, I will put it in in the link in bio, but... Um, <laughs> But it's fantastic. And you just log on to the Zoom and everyone, there's a topic that's chosen that, that you know, Zoom and you talk about it. You don't have to speak. You can just listen. But just to hear that you're not alone, I think, is another form of care. It's another form of um not feeling sad and depressed because you know you're not going through this alone. And I think that's important. Um, so it's all trial and error, I think. But I think the first step is always reach out to a doctor. It's not so much where you start the journey. It's the fact that you do start. I mean, I've known so many people, like we hear stories, like you learn how to interact with the system and how to get help based off of sort of who you've talked to that's already gone through it. And I think that it can be really off-putting if like you talk to somebody whose story doesn't match up with you and it could like right. deter you from seeking treatment or like, you know totally. what I mean? Like you could be like, I tried this and it worked great. And then like you go try and it doesn't work for you. So you feel like, why should I even try? Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, so I think that like a lot of this too, is like, you know, we hear individual snippets of the story from like people we care about and like people that 
you know, are in our spheres and it's okay if those stories don't line up or it's okay if mm-hmm. those people, like what well, the things that those people try don't work for you. But I think it's like really important to be supportive of everybody's individual journey where they fall on the spectrum of like what kind of care they're getting and when they're getting it and how much of it, you know, it's going to be different for everybody, but there is sort of no cost associated with trying or starting. I really do think that there's a value add for all all of these things in this space, whether it's movement therapy or, you know, like mm-hmm. I see a lot of people, I don't want to call it trendy, but you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of people that all of a sudden that I know that are doing like movement therapy for trauma. And yeah. like, it's been in the scientific literature for, you know, like decades. And then like yeah. all of a sudden we're like locked up in our houses. We're like, what do we do with all this? Yeah. And like people are starting to do like movement therapy. And a lot of people are really thinking this is great. It's helpful. But like, mm-hmm. unfortunately, there's a stigma around these sorts of things of like, you know, right. like, I'm not going to walk into the lab and tell my boss, like, hey, I'm doing movement therapy. He's going to hey, look at me I and be like, what are you body. doing? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I moved my body and it, it got rid of this trauma that was yeah. happening in my life right now. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I completely, completely. This is saying like destigmatizing I, these treatment options, thinking about non-traditional, non-white lab coat, modern medicine treatments, really taking an integrative approach to your health and wellness, especially in these times where there's a lot of isolation and we can't do the things that we've normally done or we can't interact with the system the way that it was supposed to be built. Really optimizing and like trying to find these treatment opportunities can be super helpful for people that just like aren't on your horizon, you know, like Mm -hmm. look everywhere, ask a bunch of people what they've done and like don't knock something until you try it, I think is like the best approach right now. And not everything is for everyone and not everything is for you. And that's okay. Like there's a lot of stuff that people do that's supposed to be, you know, great for bipolar disorder. And I get really judgy if it doesn't work for me. And then I have to get over my ego and (laughs) over my bullshit and just be like, it wasn't for me. And that's fine. And I will find something else that works for me, you know? And a lot of people will make fun of stuff that I do and they'll discredit it. And it's like, well, cool, but it works for me. So I don't really care what you think. Well, thanks, David.